What is going on, everybody? It is your boy, Zach the Bandit Bird. And with me, as always, the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. And it was a uh, not-so-friendly weekend uh, for sports bettors if you were betting on the NFL, but a great weekend for sports books. That being said, Cam, how was your weekend and how are you doing today? I just woke up Monday morning the last two weeks and wonder why I bet on this stupid sport and stupid league we call the NFL. Nothing makes sense week to week, especially weeks one and two. And I just wonder why I waste my time. It seems like a big waste of time through two weeks. It's not that much fun waking up Monday morning and realizing you lost a bunch of money. It's just not that much fun. Anyways, uh, that's why there's 15 weeks left. Make up for it. Let's go. How are you, Burke? Uh, I had a rough weekend gambling-wise, that's for sure. Um, the only one I hit was anytime touchdown Stefan Diggs, which was pretty much a layup. Um, yeah, everything else just did not go according to plan. And, man, I tell you, like, or what they were saying, like, this weekend, like, the sports books just were up what did you say it was like 18 percent this year or something like that when like a good year is like or a good time is like five so yeah i mean like you look at like and we're going to go through the games and go through our records and whatnot and and uh, as we said we do in good times and in bad it's like a marriage you gotta take your lumps but also celebrate your wins when you can um did you want to start off with uh the embarrassment of the week. Cause I kind of feel like that's where I want to start. No, I just want to talk about my one big hit this weekend is I hit a plus 751 Gronk. Anytime touchdown digs, anytime touchdown, Nick Chubb, anytime touchdown parlayed together. That's about as good as it got this weekend. The rest wasn't very good, but hit that to really save the weekend. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good hit. I like that couple units on that pays you nicely makes up for some of the l's um i do tell myself by the way not to do parlays i gotta do a different strategy this week i didn't really do i spread out the parlays last this week the week before in week one it was like vikings were in there a lot and uh this week i'm like all right not gonna do that um but it just seemed everywhere i turned it was a non-cover here a non-cover there you know teams are winning by but missing the cover by a point missing the cover by half a point or whatever. Like it was just, uh, yeah, not, uh, it, it just didn't, didn't come aligned. And, uh, speaking of not being aligned, um, the Miami dolphins were not aligned. It didn't even feel frankly, like they took the field on Sunday, uh, and, uh, suffered a embarrassing 35, nothing loss to the Buffalo bills at hard rock stadium in Miami. And, um, you know, thankfully I was able to watch the first quarter of this, uh, so that I could know to not watch the rest of the game, uh, which tied in nicely to my weekend plans. So, I mean, it was a little bit of relief, but, uh, at the same time, it was a, uh, it was a very, it was a stark reminder of the, the work that needs to go into this team to make us actual, uh, and perennial contenders. Yeah. And just one last thing touching on this entire weekend in betting, anybody who wants to say anything to us, we are picking every game against the spread before injuries are completely out. 
And not only would we pick every game against the spread, we put down our hard-earned money on it. So do you really think we want to finish 4-10-2? No. We want to do well because we put money down on it. We bet every game against the spread here, not knowing injuries, not knowing the full report, and we still do it. And we're honest. We tell you exactly how the week went, and maybe you just got to start to fade us a little more. And, well, and shout out again. Like, I mean, Sean Green and Ryan Kramer, we bring them up a lot. I mean, they're friends of the show, and they kind of that's what they came out and said. Like, hey, like, everybody's had it in tough, but they put their own money on it. Um, we don't screw around either. Like, we put our own money on it. I put money on – I mean, my lock last week was Rams minus four, and uh, I had that in a couple parlays. I bet, like, five or six units straight up on it, and uh, that's the second week I've done that, and it didn't work out. So – um, as I said, in a bit of a hole right now, going to come out of it. And yeah, so there you go. I like that. So Miami, I mean, though, I don't, can Miami yeah, come I out of the even, hole? I don't know if two is the answer. Jacoby Brissett is not the answer. No. Um, every little thing went wrong this game. Parker dropping in the end zone, Waddle and Grant fumbles. Coaching decisions that seemed odd. Why is Jason Sanders not lining up for a 55-yarder when you're only down 14? Why are you punting it from there? Like, just a lot of weird things went wrong. Nothing went right. To me, this is an anomaly. Wasn't a good game. We know Buffalo is a good team. And it was a great spot for Buffalo. Miami was coming off a tough division win. Buffalo got beat. You knew the game was going to be really scripted for Buffalo, and it was. So, to me, this is an anomaly on Miami, but... The two are things concerning because Jacoby Brissett's not the answer. Yeah, I mean, I don't. There, there was people who were jokingly saying that Jacoby Brissett was going to be the, you know, when two would would eventually get hurt. I mean, frankly, um, <laughs> Tua getting hurt was a mixture of his fault and the O line not really knowing what was going on early. I mean, he was sacked three times in six plays. Uh, first six plays on offense or whatever it was, like 50% of them are sacks is just brutal. Uh, if you started the Buffalo D on, in fantasy this week, um, might have actually won you a week if it was tight because they just thwomped us. The The problem that I have with saying that it's an anomaly is that this is the second game in a row that we've got thumped by the Bills because the la- week 17 last year we got killed and we were fighting for our lives to get into the playoffs and then we got killed again. So, like, the, the team changeover has changed a little bit, and we didn't have Will Fuller. Two kind of went out hurt, so there was some stuff there. There was drops. There was fourth and ones that we didn't convert on. And, again, goes back to my point saying we I've been saying this for a while, that we need a real running back. Um, and by real running back, I'm meaning one that, like, Derrick Henry, who you're on fourth and one, you give him the ball, you know it's going in the end zone. Like or or Marshawn Lynch. Like you just need this solid running back where you know it's gonna happen because we just don't have we don't have that. I know you like Gaskin. I know no, you there's like there's only two or three running backs like that in the league. There's No, like 20- there's more though. There's more though, because you like okay, so yeah. So you got Derrick Henry's fine, Kamara's fine, McCaffrey's gonna get it done. You you don't think McCaffrey fourth and one's getting it done? No, not running it. He's not a, like he's a decent runner, but he doesn't always get it done. Kamara's not looked good. Guys like that don't get it done in fourth and one. It's it's all about coaching on fourth and one. It's these better plays. Yeah, Derrick Henry's going to get you fourth and one by himself because he'll drag the entire line. But these other guys don't. It's all come down to how you scheme it up. Malcolm Brown for LA was a phenomenal short goal and end zone rusher. 
Miami hasn't used him where they need him on that play. If you look at the rest of everything Gaskin does, he is a top half running back so far. He's better than guys like CEH right now. Well, yeah. Like, that's not your issue. It's the play calling. The play calling needs to be better on fourth and one, and it's not. Well, let me ask you this especially then. So like, how does Lamar Jackson get offensive it? line. Yeah, yeah. How does especially Lamar Jackson get it done line? Because Lamar has seven different plays he can do. You can, And they have a great O-line. To me, it's not Gaskin. If anything, on fourth and one, it's this O-line's not very good. They're young and not very good yet. Well, our O-line and D-line are all, both not very good. D-line, obviously, on the Singletary run for 46 yards and, what, the second play of the game? <laughs> like, as we kind of talked about. That's like, every player. That's the linebackers need to pick that up. I mean, sometimes it, it, an O-line can move the four D-line guys, but where are your linebackers on that? There was just a that, lot that of, whole play a was a mess. Silly mistakes. There was a lot of silly mistakes, and it came from just about everybody on the team, from the coaches to the players, and just – Bonehead moves that can't happen against a better team, and they'll take advantage of it. And, yeah, the game script wasn't good. It probably wasn't 35 nothing, but Miami was never in it, and they didn't really deserve to be. Well, and the thing, too, right, is is that we did talk about, and this is what I was saying, is I thought we'd beat the Patriots. We did by the skin of our teeth. And then lose to the Bills in Week 2. One-on-one start. Can't really complain about that too, too much. Last year we started 0-2, I believe. Um, so we're already one game better than last year, and we finished at 10. And we've got uh, in our in our Thursday pod, we'll talk and do a preview of them. They, they play the Raiders on, I believe it's the Raiders they play on Sunday. So we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, but neither of us had the Bills, uh, sorry, the, the Dolphins there. Both of us had the Bills covering. And the fact that they scored more points than the cover and Miami scored zero, uh, we both went uh, one and oh. And that is just about where my day ended at that point. So... Let's get to the next one o'clock game. Uh, we want to talk about the Thursday nighter at all, or are we just skipping over that? Mm. No, we all know what happened on the Thursday nighter. It's fine. I mean, we can, though, briefly. Yeah, we can do the Thursday. Well, I mean, uh, Washington did not cover. We both had that way. Here's the thing I want to talk about about this game. Daniel Jones. He was actually remarkable. They should have won this game over Washington outright. Yep. He threw for 250 yards and a touchdown. He ran for 95 yards and a touchdown. He should have had like 120 yards if it wasn't for a stupid holding penalty downfield and two touchdowns. When Lamar Jackson goes for 250 passing and 100 yards rushing, we talk about him like he's amazing. When Daniel Jones does it, everyone's like, yeah, but it's Daniel Jones. Like, we got to give credit where credit's due. Daniel Jones has been really good through two games this year. I thought he threw some pretty nice dimes, honestly. And like... As you're saying, like what, like Washington's a good defensive team, and I they, they played fine defensively, but still, like it's, I I don't know, I, I I'm not I I like uh, I'll I'll say this, I like Daniel Jones a lot more than I like Zach Wilson, uh, but I mean no, and nobody talks about this, right? And this is the and you're right, like this is the thing, he doesn't get any credit for games that he plays well, he gets shit on for games that he plays extremely poorly. And that's kind of been the status quo since the start, right? Like the NFL is just so unforgiving. You have a wide open touchdown and you fall down. You're no longer a mobile quarterback. You throw a couple picks into spots that you shouldn't because of bad play calls and or uh, really great, you know, defensive plays. You're a terrible uh, throwing quarterback, like not forgiving whatsoever. But I thought they looked good. I mean, it could have, unfortunately we didn't cover, but this is one of those tough ones, right? 
Yeah, moving into the 1 o'clock game that I want to touch on, and this is the Denver Broncos at Jacksonville. Six points. They easily cover. This game was never in doubt. I got two questions here on both teams. Are you on my side now or starting to be on my side with both teams? Denver's actually good, and Jacksonville is worse than Houston? Uh, Denver's starting to, to – I did – you know what? I did – I full disclosure, did pick the Broncos in a survivor pool this week. I really liked the spot um and to get the broncos out of the way obviously but yeah i mean i i think that they're actually not bad the butler's not is playing really well and perhaps my my take on the butler was that uh teddy two gloves was that uh he played on the panthers and i just have a biased hate for the panthers but um no they look good their defense looked good and in terms of jacksonville i mean i before the news that tyrod taylor is out uh i would say that Yes, I'm starting to get on that train, and now I'm like, uh, the Texans could still go one and sixteen, and if Jacksonville can sneak out one dub somewhere down the line, or two dubs, uh, then maybe who knows? But I think as of the first two weeks, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you. I mean, also Trevor Lawrence has just looked awful, like awful, and again, I feel bad for him though because it is. It is that tough spot, right? Where you're, you know, you're you're drafted first overall, and you get put in a situation with Urban Meyer and and that team that just has so many other holes that even like, you're just not put in a position to a position to succeed. I guess is what I'm saying. No, he hasn't won bit. This entire coaching staff's a mess. It sounds like nobody gets along with Urban Meyer. I don't really know what his coaching philosophy is. It sounds like he'll be in USC soon enough. So. There's just so many messy things with this team, and I don't see this team winning. Houston, the only question mark is Tyrod Taylor. If he's playing, I think they're getting to three wins. And Jacksonville can't cannot get to three wins. But it'll be interesting to see. And, I mean, that moves us right along into the Houston game. Houston was minus or plus 12 going to Cleveland. And Cleveland, this game was really never in doubt. But 12 points was too much. They won by 10. And we were both on the right side here. And again, I think this Houston team's decent. And that was with Tyrod Taylor. And he went out of the game, and that really kind of ended any chance Houston had. And Davis Mills is not the answer there. And they're going to struggle without it. But still, they stayed in a game against Cleveland, who we both think is a good team. Yeah, and then and it's, it was kind of that exact angle that we were talking about, right? Was is that Cleveland was going to pound the rock, um, keep it close. Tyrod, again, I, I thought he looked good. Um, now if, if that game was to happen this weekend, it was the same line without Tyrod Taylor. I'm probably taking the Browns to cover. Um, but thankfully that didn't happen. We got that one, right? Just to circle back quickly. Were we both on the Broncos in, in, in that first game? Okay. I think, yeah, we were both on the Broncos and then both on Houston here. Okay. So that's not, uh, so, you know, that's, that's pretty good. We records are not, not so bad to start. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, as I said, I, I'm not feeling good about the Texans' uh, chances on Thursday Night Football. But we will get to that at the end of this show. Moving along into the Cincy-Chicago game. Cincy at Chicago. Chicago lying, laying three points. This game was weird. Mm-hmm. After the first quarter, 7 nothing Chicago. After the second quarter, 7 nothing Chicago. After the third quarter, 7-3 Chicago. Then it finished 20 to 17 out of nowhere. There was suddenly a ton of points. This ended up being a push Chicago won 2017. 
So we both had Cincy at three, but it finished at three points. So it didn't matter either way. Again, this is interesting now. A lot of interceptions in this game. Joe Burrow had 1.3 three straight passes that were intercepted. He did not look good. Justin Fields didn't really look as good as he did in preseason or early in some of the other snaps. And it'll be interesting to see him going into next week if Andy Dalton's playing or not. They've already said, Matt Nagy said that if Dalton's healthy, he's still their starter. And I imagine it'll be the last week he's their starter. They're then going to Detroit. That's the perfect spot to bring in Justin Fields and be like, yeah, you're now our starter. We're going to Detroit. Yeah, and I think that the there does have to be some respect kind of put on the Bears D. And I, I don't think that we were necessarily shitting on the Bears D by any means. But they had a good defense last year and they, they showed up against against Burrow in that game. Um, and I think that, that maybe, maybe the Cincy line there is, is that, I mean, again, it's a push, so that's fine, but the line moved to two and a half. So if we would have got it later, we would have lost, but, um, I mean, did we overreact to Cincy in week one? I think a hundred percent everyone overreacted to Cincy in week one and maybe downplayed Chicago a bit. I mean, I think Chicago is one of those mediocre teams and I think Cincy just, overachieved in week one and everyone kind of overreacted about it i think they're kind of going to be a low-end mid-team so there's not a huge gap difference here in like power rankings or anything but yeah i think the biggest thing that we had here was an overreaction especially when the line got down to two and a half and stuff it's just an overreaction like chicago should have been the better team and i think as a team they showed they were the better team and and yeah and they did with and they got their w and and uh I mean, it's going to take a couple more games for me to put any kind of stock into either of those teams, frankly. And this is, again, a little sneak peek coming into this weekend where there's a bunch of games and a bunch of lines that I'm, like, just gagging at because I'm like, I, I haven't seen enough. Like, everything that I thought I knew in week one is now completely opposite in week two. And I'm like, okay, one of these scenarios has to be true, and week three is going to play into that. Yeah, so moving along to the next game, we had San Francisco going to Philly. Uh, San Francisco is the favorite three and a half points with a line. This was one of my things where I just said, I am not making the mistake of taking bad divisions against good divisions. And I was right. San Fran won the game. It was an ugly game. Everyone took the over and it finished 17, 11 San Fran covered just a messy game. Not good overall, but uh, yeah, I just, I wanted to take better divisions against weak divisions for the most part. And it's worked out. Okay. Yeah, I've had the Eagles with, with the points, didn't I? Yeah, and I think that was just like I wonder that, if people are overreacting to the Eagles in Week One again. This is the theme, dude. Is that this is just me making really stupid decisions based upon Week One, which is a rookie mistake. This is what we learned. So next year when we do this, one of our rules is going to be don't make decisions based on Week One and follow our other rules that we make. But, um. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I was a little surprised. I mean, one of the things you said at the start of the year with was is that you thought the 49ers defense was going to be better than people thought. Um, I wasn't high on them, but you thought they, they were going to be better. And then obviously, um, obviously they showed up. I mean, 11 points is, is not, uh, it's not very good. I mean, even then though, like still 17 from the Niners. I don't know if the Eagles defense is that good either, but as you said, really ugly ugly kind of game and at the end of the day there's not a lot I can really take from that besides the the overreaction to the Eagles I think that's the main point that I got to go on with that 
Yeah, and I think San Fran, just the way this team's kind of built and the way their defense is, their running game, even with no running backs anymore, like that's kind of those low-scoring low messy games, though, is what Shanahan likes, and those are the games that San Fran wins. And so that just played into their hand. Who is their starting running back now? And I feel bad for whoever uh, took Elijah Mitchell for – what you say the average uh, FAB or FAB was for uh, fantasy for Elijah Mitchell? People- People had it at 71 on Yahoo. Apparently there was people paying upwards of 95 fab for him. He is questionable and probable for next week. So it does sound like he'll go. If not, it sounds like they brought in carry on Johnson who might be the next in line because Trey Sermon's out for weeks with a concussion. Elijah Mitchell is only questionable with a shoulder injury. So we don't know the injury updates probably won't till Thursday or Friday, but yeah, it's, a messy backfield, but uh, we'll see who can stay healthy, I guess. It's at a point from a fantasy perspective where I'm not touching a San Francisco running back because there's like, like the depth, the depth chart is gone. So now you're just pulling guys who basically can walk and hold a football. Like that's, that's what it is from a fantasy perspective. It's a disaster. Like you got, there's no chance I'm spending any fab on anybody. I don't like, cause if, uh, if Mitchell's no good, I'm not taking a flyer on carry on. I'm not, like hasty i know people spend some money on hasty too and he got hurt and it's like holy shit dude like this is just a nightmare yeah you just know it really doesn't matter who is in that backfield we've seen it for years that shanahan just finds a way of getting whoever's there yards and plays so if it gets desperate and carry on johnson's the only guy there he's gonna get yards he's gonna get carries so fantasy wise if i wouldn't be paying big bucks for sure or anything but say you still have your full 100 fab or whatever. If you're playing 1,000, you still have all of it. 15% on if if Elijah Mitchell can't go and you need to pay up. 15% is probably fine for on Johnson if we hear more before you have to pay up. But it doesn't sound like we will. So, yeah, it's, it's a whole mess and we'll see what happens come the week. But, again, yeah, stay away. Yeah, no, I like that. And if you have 49ers uh, receivers, then that's also not a bad thing either, eh? Yeah, Debo Samuel's nice. Ayuk, I still don't know what to touch, but Man, what it's a again, kind of messy team. He, the people are high on him to start the year. Like, he just got in the bad books with Shanahan apparently offseason, and nobody wanted to tell us that until after week one. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, Kyle. Where's the notes? Anyway. Moving along to the next game might be the – Biggest letdown spot and the biggest team, I don't know even know what they are. And that's the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> they were laying three and a half points and they got murdered. 26 to 7 for Carolina. Dude, Jameis was just bad. Like as good as he was in the first game, he was equally bad in the second game and legit looking like classic Jameis. Like he threw five touchdowns in his first game. And then how many interceptions did he throw in the second game? He threw like two at least sorry i'm looking it up right now yeah two interceptions on 11 11 for 22 for 111 yards zero touchdowns two interceptions like that's the Jameis winston we know i don't know where this five touchdown Jameis winston came from but uh hey shout out to our 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 panthers listener man like he kind of came out and was like yeah they're gonna go four and one to start the year and i'm like uh nah, come on and now i'm thinking they might go four and one to start the year. Like I don't. This schedule it is friendly for them, and that win against the Saints, especially with with what the Saints did to Green Bay in Week One. Jeez, man, I don't know. Like it's. Uh, I I just think the the, the 
one thing, and you know this because you have Kamara in one of your fantasy leagues, is um, he's been pretty disappointing to start the year, to say the least. It's been weird. Like, I mean, he had 18 fantasy points in week one, and he didn't play the fourth quarter. So that's not disappointing, really. Like, I'll take 18 points from from every week. But this week, it was weird. They didn't run the ball, and Jameis doesn't want to check down. And I know the game script got out of hand, so he needed to look downfield more. But it's not Drew Brees there anymore. He doesn't seem to want to check down the same way Drew Brees did, so you don't get a lot of those easy PPR points. And so it'll be interesting. I mean, it's Alvin Kamara. He's going to get points. It's not that overreaction. We can't overreact. Like everyone overreacted in week one to Derrick Henry, and then you see what he does in week two. Alvin Kamara is in that top tier. We can't overreact and think he's going to be terrible because of one week. So I'm not too worried about it, but it is a little concerning that Jameis doesn't like him the same way Drew Brees did. Can we talk about Sam Darnold for a sec? Because I yep. thought that Sam, Sam Sam Darnold looked like – a complete he this year has looked completely different and you kind of talked about this you know just in terms of you know not playing under uh not playing under adam gase and you're you're playing under some coaching that's not uh that's not bad but i mean look at this guy's stats from week one i mean he's 26 for 38 he's throwing the ball downfield way more 305 yards two touchdowns one interception um like that's 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 some good numbers man and this is not what he was the, – the op- this is a, a 180 from what he was doing last year. It's crazy what happens when you give a top-round pick uh, system and the ability to succeed. The Jets did not give him an offensive line. They did not give him receivers. They had the worst coach I've seen in years other than maybe Anthony Lynn. It's a, it's a toss-up between uh, <laughs> Gase and uh, Anthony Gase Lynn. Gase and Anthony Lynn, But they yeah. did not give him – they did not give him any ability to succeed. They're giving him all the ability to succeed in Carolina. And he's looked fine. He's looked better than fine. He's probably above average. No, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's looked good. He looks like a capable NFL quarterback. And you're seeing what happens in New York, the Jets, when they don't give a guy the chance to succeed again. And so Sam Darnold was a top pick for a reason. He has the talent. And now Carolina's definitely giving the opportunity to succeed, and he's taking a hold of it. And we'll see if that continues. I mean, you have the Texans and Panthers playing Thursday night football this week. As I said, we will get that pick. Uh, I think we're going to pick Thursday night or at the end of this episode, and then we're going to do the um, the weekend picks and Monday night picks on our second episode of the week. Cam, next game, who do we got and what happened? We had the L.A. Rams going to Indy line four and – I mean, uh, it, it was not a football game. It wasn't man. one bit. Like, there was never a second of that game where anyone thought Indy was winning it, but they covered the four. LA only won 27 to 24. And the biggest takeaway I have from this is apparently having breakfast every day with one of your receivers works out well. Cooper Cup <laughs> is unbelievable. And I drafted Robert Woods ahead of Cooper Cup in one of my fantasies, and I'm like, why did nobody tell me they ate breakfast together every day? I would have definitely taken Cup over Woods, and there's definitely something there between Stafford and Cooper Cup. I guarantee you that Shafty, Adam Shafter, has the best fantasy football team this year because he knows all this stuff. Like, he knows that they are having breakfast together. Honestly, his team's probably unbelievable. Um, this one hurts, dude. This one is just – it's just not – super fun i mean third quarter um 
you know, 11. So four minutes into the third quarter, they're up 17 to six and they're rolling. And then like then double touchdown. And, oh, dude, it, it's just, it, it was a whole, it, it was just a, a mess. I mean, they came back and won and that's all great. That's fine. And dandy, um, you know, they're down 21, 17 at the start of the fourth. But as you said, I, I was never worried about them losing, but that didn't help me when the number was minus four. I didn't give two shits about the dub. I, I couldn't, I literally don't care about the Rams in general, but the minus four I cared about, especially when it was my lock and bomb, 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 absolute egg on the face. Not good. Um, man, I don't know what to say about it. That's like, it's a better result than the Vikings, your Vikings lock from last week, but it feels the same. Cause at least it the didn't like, how did Indy backdoor cover this with Jacob Eason at quarterback by the end of the game? Makes yeah. No sense whatsoever. It's, it was ugly. I, I, I'm not going to dwell on it too much. I mean, my, my locks in, in NHL were good for a long time. And then now my lock streak got broken in week two. So, I mean, I got to get back on the train. I'm going to get one this week. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be good, but that, that one definitely hurt. And that one definitely hurt the uh, the uh, the the gambling pay pay that's for sure because that uh, was my big bet of the week and did not pan out for the bandit. Yeah, so moving along into the next game, we had the Las Vegas Raiders going to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh laying five and a half points. We thought this was going to be a massive letdown spot for the Raiders coming off that massive win, and it wasn't. I mean, here's. Two questions for you, Burke. One, yeah. are the Raiders actually good? No. Two, is Derek Carr a top quarterback? I saw that clip today on first take with Stephen A. Smith, and Kayshawn Johnson was ranking his QBs that he would take right now. And he had Derek Carr uh, one, Russell Wilson two, Kyler Murray three. And Stephen A. like fell off his chair and was just going nuts. I mean, this guy this guy misses Max Kellerman already, and Max had some outrageous takes. But that take takes the cake, dude. Are you kidding me right now, Derek Carr? I mean, is it not? Is it is John Gruden still not the coach of the Raiders? Yeah, he still is. But so Derek then, Carr is averaging four hundred and eight yards per game. A completion percentage of 67%, and he's looked really good. And this week, it wasn't just Darren Waller. Darren Waller, like that pass he threw to Ruggs was unbelievable. I don't think it's shocking that he can make good throws. If you're an average quarterback in the NFL, you should be able to put the ball in certain places. The real difference is, is, is your awareness at the line, how you can get out of pressure, and putting it to places that you can't see. If you have spots that you can see, you should hit it. And he's excellent at that. Um, and again, I, I've never been a Derek Carr hater by any means. But I don't know how you can say you're taking him over Russ or you're taking him over Kyler. Like, there's no chance. There's no chance ever. Um, now, if he played on a different team, would that change my mind? I don't know. I got to see a little bit more from him. Because he does. He did this last year, too. I mean, the Raiders went 8. They were 8-8 eight and eight last year. And the games that he played well, he played amazing. And the games that he played poor, he was horrific. Like, there's really no kind of middle ground for Derek Carr. Um, 
So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him. I do also, Cam. I mean, I, let me respond back with it. Was that was your first question, right? Or what was your first question again? Your first question was, are the Raiders first good? The Raiders are, are not the good. Are the Raiders good? No. So I actually think that this is the opposite. You look at, are the Steelers bad? Question mark. After week one, we talked about, uh, you're saying the Steelers are going to be better than I thought. And I was like, oh, man, actually, you might be right. And then now I'm like, I don't know. Maybe the Steelers aren't as good. So I don't know if this is an overreaction that your way, my way, whatever the case is, but they're one and one to start the year, and I they didn't they they did not look good in in that game. I, in my opinion, I just don't it, it it wasn't very pretty. No, their offense was what I thought they would be once again. But you take T.J. Watt and Bush out of their defense, and they were missing somewhat one of their other starters. It's a completely different game. If you take the best three defenders on any team, or three of the top four defenders on any team in the league. Take them out of the game, it's going to be a struggle. So, to me, Pittsburgh's for, still going to be better than this game. Yeah, but <laughs> Steelers are going to be better than this game as long as Watt and Bush and stuff can come back healthy and are fine next game. So, to me, like that's just such an anomaly that you're missing three of your top four defenders for the entire game, especially against Vegas, who looks who's proven that they can take advantage of bad spots like that. So, yeah, their offense still isn't good. Big Ben... This is it. This is his last season, no matter what happens here. And they need to move on. Deontay Johnson injury could be worrisome. I don't know what's going to happen there. But uh, I, that's where Big Bang Life's going. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, like I'm not going to overreact about Pittsburgh. The same way, like they're not as good as beating the Bills the way they did. And they're not as bad as getting beat by Vegas the way it kind of happened. They're kind of in between here. So i got to try and not overreact either way here. But, I mean, the Raiders have looked really good through two weeks and against decent teams. Whether we like those are two teams who should be competing for a division title, the Steelers and Ravens in that weird division, but the Raiders have beat them both. So we got to give some credit where credit's due. Well, and one team looks I'm higher on than the other, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. What's the next one we got? We had New England going to the Jets. And, yeah, this wasn't much of a game, and we didn't think it would be. Bill Belichick versus rookie quarterbacks is unbelievable. He schemes up defenses to get the job done, and you saw it. Zach Wilson looked brutal, and it was the same thing that we've seen in Miami is they do these weird, like, blitz schemes where you have no idea everyone's dancing around. That came from Belichick. Flores has taken it and used it. That confuses rookie quarterbacks like crazy. Zach Wilson did not look good one bit. He's has the arm talent. We've seen it. You've seen the videos, but he likes throwing off his back foot unnecessarily. And you can't get away with doing that all the time in the NFL. You don't have guys who are wide open. You can't just kind of do these fancy passes. It's not going to work. You're going to get picked off, especially against decent defenses. And new England is a decent defense with really good schemes. So it didn't work. And this was just the perfect spot that we thought it would be, especially new England after a tough loss. So, I mean, I don't think we need to read too much into this. Zach Wilson's stat line, 19 for 33, 210 yards, four interceptions. Um, not good at all. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, McCorkle had – that's the other thing I want to talk about. He, he didn't throw a ton of yards. Uh, he only threw for 186, but he was 22 for 30. No touchdowns, no interceptions. So he didn't – and sometimes I feel like that's something that rookie quarterbacks need to do, especially when you have a good scheme, you know your defense is going to do well. Um, sometimes you just have to get out of the way. 
right? And that's kind of where that stat line with Mac is, is that, you know, 22 for 30. Okay, really good completion rate. 186 yards tells me with zero touchdowns, zero interceptions that he just didn't do too much with it, right? Like you're averaging 6.2. His longest was 32, but 6.2 yards per per um, reception or throw, whatever, is, is just a lot of those short ones outside, runs, little dump-offs. Like I think that's sometimes what you need to do as a rookie quarterback, right? And so yeah, kudos there. And I actually – I want to give some credit to the Jets defense. Zach Wilson put them in a terrible spot all game. And that's why you see the yardage numbers and stuff aren't high for Mac Jones because they were starting in like really good field position every time. But this Jets defense, considering four interceptions, Zach Wilson throwing them under the bus a little bit, they actually held up pretty decent if you look at some of these stat lines. So, again, this is another decent building block other than Zach Wilson not looking good for this team. Like a lot of plus signs other than Zach Wilson. Yeah, we'll see if he can shape out, but um, I think we got in one more, right, of the 1 o'clock slate. Six more games. One more for 1 o'clock. Are they not, no wasn't the Vikings cards the 1 o'clock? Nope. Oh, okay, 1 o'clock's done. There you go. Are we doing Vikings cards? I got to get to that one. That's what we're doing next. Yes. Okay. We can do that next, but it's not 1 o'clock. Okay, 405 start or 425 start, whatever the hell it was. Um... Let me ask you this. Are the Vikings bad? I have no idea what to think about (laughs) the Vikings. And the cards, I think, showed me they are more what I thought they were than originally. Their defense is not as good as it was in week one. That was an anomaly to me. Their secondary is not very good. Their front line is aging. And they can't stop decent offenses. And the Vikings offense should be good. If not, it should be. It's definitely decent. It should be good. So to me, this was a game that was pretty much how I thought it was. Kyler can throw it up with any offense. There's no doubt in my mind if he's healthy that they can go toe to toe with any offense. But both these defenses are not very good, and Arizona did not deserve to win this game one bit. They had a thirty Vikings had a thirty-seven yard field goal to win the game. Like this really should have been an easy win, but the Vikings Vikinged it, and that's what happens. They covered the spread. They covered the spread, which, again, the Vikings are just going to cost me money every week. So that sounds like something they're going to do. So where to go this week? I mean, I think I know where I'm going to go this week, and so they'll probably cost me money again. But <laughs> Man, did I have Arizona covering? Yes. I think I – oh, my God. Okay. Well, that's a kick in the nuts. I mean, they should have lost the game. <laughs> but at the same at the same time, though, like – they got off to such a bad start and then they caught up and I was like, Oh, all right, we're, we're doing it here. Like, Oh man, I don't know. I just having Kyler and fantasy was, is, is very fun. I will say that it's very, very fun to have him on your team. Now, if he has a bad week, it's bad, bad, but when he has a good week or even a average week, it's very fun to watch. And I think again, Cardinals, good team. Vikings, not a good team. I don't want to bet on them anymore, Cam. I can't do it. I can't. It's like me betting on the Falcons last year. I can't do it. Last year, I bet on the Falcons six six weeks in a row. It was like me betting on the Buffalo Sabres. I'm like, eventually, they got to win. I can't do it. Well, that's a really good movement into the next game where you did bet on the Falcons to cover a 12-and-a-half spot against the Bucs. And I don't know why you thought they would cover. It was looking good. Dude. Okay. Let's just pump the brakes for a second here. Start they lost of fourth, by 23. Start of the fourth quarter 
What was the score? I will tell you. It was 28 to 25 for the Bucks, and the Falcons had the ball. And I was like, and so you, I got notifications, close game alert, um, blah, blah, blah. Like, Falcons just had to not fuck it up. And what did they do? They falconed it. They absolutely falconed it. They went, they went, they had a drive, didn't work out. Tom Brady got the ball. Uh, there's a nice little run back, throws a touchdown. Perfect. They're up 10 points. I'm like, all right, Matt Ryan's getting the ball back. No big deal. We're going to minimum get a field goal. We'll go down by seven. Perfect. That, that, that'll take some time. We'll probably get it down to five minutes where we're golden. And what happened? Mike Edwards, pick six, 45-21. I'm thinking, okay, so now if we get a touchdown, that's fine. We're still only down nine points. It'll be 41-20, sorry, 41-32, nine points. I still cover. What happened the very next drive, Cam? Pick six, Mike Edwards, 48-25. So, like, they were there. The, the, the. If Matt Ryan would stop doing commercials and stop start playing actually good, decent football and not being an absolute idiot, then I would have covered, and that would have been fine. Because they were in that game, 100%, no doubt about it. But Falcons get a Falcon. That's just how they do. And I, I there's nothing else I can really say. They're just so bad. Kyle Pitts had a bit, of, a bit better of a game. But you can't throw two pick sixes to end your game. When you're down three points and then you get down ten, sure, you're not going to maybe win the game. But at least don't like completely just screw every other fan better, whatever the case is, by throwing those garbage picks. Yeah, my only takeaway from this game is one quarterback looked that they were 44 and it wasn't Tom Brady. Tom Brady is ageless. Moving into the next game, we had Dallas at the Chargers. Uh, Dallas was, uh, they were getting three points. Chargers favored by three, and wouldn't you know it, Dallas won twenty to seventeen. So another push. Yeah, I was on the Chargers, right? So I think, or was I on the? No, I, I was on the Chargers. Was I? Pretty sure I was. So I, I that yeah. was an L for me. Yeah, it was an actual L for you. I'm wrong. Wow. L for me. L for you. I had the Chargers. And again, like I I don't know, man. Like every like this is the 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 summary of this episode is Zach doesn't know what's going on right now because again, all the good things that I thought were happening in the first week are just completely different. Like again, Dallas, okay, I, I had Dallas covering, they did. And now they won a game, which is bad for everybody. Anytime Dallas wins, it's terrible. But I don't know, like, remember we were talking last year. We're like, man, Anthony Lynn and the Chargers, holy shit. Like, they're just terrible. Get rid of this guy. Like, let's let let's let this offense eat. Like, they're going to be better. Stupid play call. And then they come up with this dud. And, again, it's an overreaction. They're going to be fine. But it's still annoying. Like, it's still so fucking annoying. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. The Chargers just are doing what the Chargers do, and we got to give credit to this Dallas offense. It just still looks decent, and I mean, it was only 2017, so again, another game that everyone thought would go way over stays under, but yeah, I just I really don't know what to think about either of these teams again. There's still so many teams for two weeks where I have no idea going into week three what they are. 
To be fair, I should have actually covered this because I feel like the Chargers got screwed at the end of that game. Um, oh, they 100% did. Like, it's pretty obvious that the refs were on the Cowboys' side on this one. Like, it, it was just – it was unbelievable. Um, two penalties late, touchdown taken away, like – and they just got backed up. Like, a bogus grounding call. Like, oh, my gosh. It was just the worst. And I, I – and so – you know, if that touchdown is good and they didn't get pushed back as far as they did, that was the big thing too, Cam. It wasn't even that the touchdown got the touchdown got taken away. Okay, fine, whatever. Like, they could have scored another touchdown with that same ball position, but then they get pushed back even like farther away, and it's like, holy shit, dude! Like that completely took the touchdown out of play, and then they got to kick a field goal. They lose the game. Um, you got screwed. I got screwed. Frankly, that they should have won. Um, again, I don't think that anytime you can say the refs cost us a game mean you didn't play well enough to firmly secure the dub. So I still am holding this that I don't know what's going on with their offense, but they did get screwed at the end of that game. No doubt about it. And to be fair, you also have to give credit to Greg, the leg because he hit a 56 yarder to win the game. Like, it's not like they, you know, it was overtime and, and he had a 30 yard chip, like 56 yarder to win and you hit it good for you like i gotta give him credit but still the stripes had cowboy shirts underneath and obviously had money on the game yep so moving along to the next game we had tennessee going to seattle seattle five and a half point favorites why does seattle do this over and over again get up huge in the first half you're like oh this game is over and then they just stop playing football russ stops cooking they don't care anymore it's just brutal. And then Derrick Henry did take over, but you're looking at it. It's 24 to nine at halftime. This isn't a football game. Seattle's going to cover this easy. And they scored terribly. And Derrick Henry took over this game. And it's like, how are you letting the other team run on you over and over again and not kill the clock? Like you're up big. And Seattle did this last year, a bunch where you saw Russ cook in the first half. They look unbelievable. Then they let a team back in and, losing in overtime and didn't look good. And it, it was just a mess. This is what the Seahawks did last year and they're doing it again, man. So Terry Henry had 35 carries, which is nuts. First of all, like 35 carries is a ton, 182 yards. Okay. That's pretty good. Pretty good. You know, just an average 182 yards. Longest was 63 touchdowns. Um, average 5.2 yards per carry. Like the guy was just unbelievable. And going down the stretch there, like when the Titans were marching in overtime, you could just like you could just sense it. You're like, man, they got nothing. And again, see, the Titans should have won on a safety, and they didn't because Russ. They, did you see that play? Yeah, it was called. It should have probably been a safety, but by the letter of the law, it wasn't, and that's technically the right call. But to every fan, that's a safety. Technically, the forward momentum was stopped at the one-yard line, and he really wasn't moving and then kind of moved back. But, yeah, it, it, by the letter of the law, when they were talking to the ex-official, I guess I understand how it wasn't, but it should, uh, still should be. It's pretty wishy-washy. And, like, this is where, like, the forward momentum thing is trash, right? So I'll, I'll tell you why. If a, if a quarterback, like, r- like, runs up a little bit and then – gets chased around and it, it, then it's a loss or if they if he's like trying to get by and the guy's grabbing him and he throws him back four yards they spot him back four yards that's essentially what happened to russ so it's a safety 
And that didn't help me, by the way. I mean, I had Seattle. So, uh, I don't know. It, it, that was just brutal. I, again, just another questionable officiating thing. It worked out well for the Titans in the end. They didn't care. Derrick Henry just took over in overtime. You knew it was over. Um, I still have faith in Seattle, though. I, I just They just have too many weapons, and this is one of those ones that – you, know, you saw Russ smiling at the end of the game. It's one of those things where he's probably like, ah, we'll just learn from it and uh, and move on and get on to the next week. But, again, one of those ones where down the stretch, if I got big money on the line or I got a parlay, I know we don't like to hedge on this show, but with everything that they've shown us, if you got a big parlay, like if you had that guy who had the 25 bucks to, to hit 750 and he had the Lions, you got to hedge that. And if you had the Russ and the Seattle, you definitely have to hedge that. Yeah, so we'll move into the Sunday night football game. Kansas City was heading to Baltimore. Kansas City lying three and a half points. What a football game, really. Like, you just got to start off with what a football game. You saw two of the best quarterbacks in the league show what they could do both at times. And, I mean, this came down to Clyde Edwards-Lair with a terrible fumble and really cost them the game. But Lamar took over. He did what he looked like two years ago and was huge. And they needed it. They needed to win this game. They couldn't go 0-2. And it was it was just a phenomenal football game overall. Man, there's there's two things that I like about this game, um, both having to do with Lamar Jackson. So the first one is is he was horrible in the first half of the game, and again from a fantasy perspective, I had to de- I needed him to get 20 points minimum, and he was looking bad, like two bad picks early wasn't getting anything going. You're like, oh my gosh, is this going to be another one of those Lamar games? And then it was Jekyll and Hyde. Comes out in the second half, puts the team on his back, um, gets it done with the legs, gets it done with the arm, um, and then got them into the position they needed to be in. And then late in the game, uh, you know, Harbaugh's yelling at him, Lamar, do you want to go for this on fourth and one? I'm screaming at the TV, you have to go for this, even though I'm, you know, I was on the Chiefs side, so I was like, probably not, probably don't go for it. But, man, like, just the, the, and and to me, analytically, this makes sense. Fourth and one, you get it, and it's game over. So you got to do it, because if you have to punt it, you give Mahomes the ball back, it doesn't matter. Like, this is like giving Tom Brady the ball back in the NFC Championship game. Same thing. Don't give him the ball back. So, had the balls to do it. Play worked out. It was awesome. Awesome, awesome game to watch. I was happy I got to watch pretty much the full thing. And, uh, yeah, Mahomes' brother wasn't too uh, happy about that loss, eh? Did you see that clip? I just give up with Jackson Mahomes overall. Like, he's upset. He's TikToking. <laughs> he's doing stupid shit all the time. Like, we need less of it. Just don't even give him the camera time. Here's the one thing I did want to touch on. So, Lamar's line, 239 yards. Passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Rushing, 107 yards, two touchdowns. What's the difference between him and Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones didn't make as many mistakes and had one less touchdown. Yet everyone's talking about how unbelievable Lamar was and how he put a team on his back. And people are still like, yeah, Daniel Jones. So there's just your comparison. They both look like RB1s this week. And... To me, like, they were pretty much the same. The only difference was one extra rushing touchdown, but he didn't throw two picks, Daniel Jones, especially a pick six. So just interesting to keep an eye on and see what happens. I mean, one player plays in Baltimore. I know Lamar's pretty polarizing, but New York is still a tough media, and I think that hurts Daniel Jones. But 
Yeah, it was just yeah. a heck of a game, and I think we're going to see a couple more this week. I'm excited. No, I, I think that's a great point, Cam. I mean, this is kind of the comparison of, like, if you have um, – like John Tavares is a great example where he's in Toronto, puts up similar numbers that he does in uh, with the Isles, and people are shitting on him in Toronto. And it's like, guy, like you just didn't watch like the player that he was in the and like in New York. Like he's pretty much came as advertised, and but you you move into a market as you said, like New York or Toronto, where your you know your media is tough, <laughs> and that's what you get. So no, I like that comparison a lot. Yeah, so we move into the Monday nighter, and for a game that almost turned out to be exciting, it really wasn't, and we knew it wasn't wasn't going to be. Aaron Jones took over three touchdowns. Green Bay was favored by ten and a half. You decided Detroit was going to stay in it. I thought Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers were going to say "f you," and they did. And it was weird because at halftime you're like, "Oh shit, is Detroit possibly going to go and win this game now? Is Green Bay going to go zero and two? But no, that didn't happen. Man, it looked rough. I just have one correction. Aaron Jones had four touchdowns yesterday. Four. And Tanyan had one, which thank you, Tanya, for winning me my fantasy matchup this week. But Aaron Jones had four touchdowns yesterday. Unbelievable. Um, it was sketchy for the first half, no doubt. Um, another question for you. Is Jared Goff good? Yeah, Jared Goff is interesting. He is what we thought he was. He's not great. He's not as bad as we thought he was. He won a road playoff game last year, and he'll he'll manage games fine. But he definitely doesn't have the arm talent to win you games or do much with an offense. But he can manage fine, especially for a team that is not going to be really good. The craziest stat about yesterday, Jared Goff led the Lions in rushing. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's why he only had 17 points, right? What happened to Swift? Jared Goff had four rush attempts for 46 yards. Swift had 37 yards, and Williams had 25 yards. I mean, combined yards, Swift added 41 receiving yards. So when you add that, and it's better, but it's just kind of funny. Jared Goff, I don't think anyone would thought he'd lead his team in rushing any game. Man, Green Bay's my, – my one thing about Green Bay is they're going to have a lot of trouble if their defense doesn't get any better. I don't know how many times yesterday I'm watching this game and I'm like, you had Cephas torching you in the end zone and like running routes on you late, like for like 60 yard catch or 40, 50, 60 yard catches. And man, I'm like, what are you doing? Like this team is not going to have any success this year. If their defense is going to play like that. It, It was frankly embarrassing. The good news is, is that the lions are just, aren't that good. Um, is TJ Hawkinson a top five tight end league? Yeah, I actually think he is, in my opinion, especially when you talk about offensive and receiving. He's definitely in the top five. He looked unreal, honestly. I think the bigger, uh, the yeah, bigger question for tight end I have is Gronk a top five tight end in the league? Yes, still? <laughs> I dropped him in one of my leagues because I'm like, oh man, like I like the, I like this connection with Tanya better. Drop Gronk, and I like after week one, I was like, shit. I'm like I shouldn't. And have then done after that. week two, you're like, oh really, shit. I know. Brutal, man. Gronk is like, comes out of retirement for like, oh, it'll come out for one year just for Tom. Comes back and is just lights out right now. Antonio Brown, by the way, is kind of the, what we thought he was. His first week was kind of anomaly. He was shite the second week. He wasn't used at all, but maybe that's because there's Gronk. And when you have Gronk, Gronk does Gronky things. 
So, Burke, do you want to know your record in week two? Uh, I don't really, but hit it with me because we are all about transparency. You had four wins, 11 losses. I guess they're losses. I don't know. And one push. Not very good. That's a no, rough week. It was bad. You pull your overall record to 12, 18, and 2. One for one in locks, though. You didn't hit it this week, but you hit it last week. I actually, considering how weird of a week it was, had a pretty decent one. I went 8, 7, and 1. Moves my record overall to 14, 16, and 2. So sitting right near 500, especially with the first two weeks, I'll take it. 0 for 2 on the locks, though. So you got me there. But uh, 8, 7, and 1 off this crazy week, pretty decent, actually. I'll take it. And the record, my record looks worse than it is because there are a couple lines that, like, legitimately I missed by a point here, a point there. Um, it could have gone either way. Like, honestly, Rams could have gone, cards could have gone. Like, there's a couple that I could have got back and, and got to that six and, you know, six and eight, seven and uh, whatever, seven and uh, seven and seven, somewhere, somewhere similar in there. Um, you know, I could have done a little bit better, but. Um, Hey, that's the breaks. This is the beauty about picking against the spread is you're not always going to get it right. And, uh, I mean, my gambling account bankroll can definitely tell you that I didn't get it all right this week. But, uh, as you said earlier in the show, 50 more, 50 more weeks of re- or 60 more weeks, actually, sorry, excuse me of, uh, 50. Yeah. 60 more weeks of regular season. So, uh, cause we've got 18 weeks this year. So, Hey, we're going to have ample opportunity to fix the record and I will bounce back this week. And that can is a lock. Well, I look forward to these picks next week. Let's keep the momentum going for myself. Let's just try and hit one of these locks one of this week. But I feel good. I feel like we're getting a better handle on what's going on in the NFL this year. And I feel like this could be a huge week coming up. Weeks three through five tend to be the best betting weeks for the public. The books don't do as well because they still haven't figured out the lines, yet the public starts to figure out what teams are actually better. I like it. Are we going to pick the Thursday nighter now? Yeah, we could do the Thursday nighter with this episode. So we have Carolina. I didn't get to. I didn't get to play it. I forgot to play it. We were having technical difficulties, but I had to. Thursday night game cam. Go ahead. Thursday night game this week isn't as exciting as some of these other games. We have Carolina heading to Houston. Carolina is lying eight points. It is official. Tyrod Taylor is on the IR. He is going to miss four weeks. Davis Mills will start for the Texans. With all of this news, Burke, where do you see this going? Um, Yeah, I, I, I'm on the Panthers in this game. Um. I think they're kind of disgusting to say. They're going to start 3-0. and um, I don't think there's a doubt about that. Um, seven and a half. The, you said seven and a half was the line? Eight on cool bet right eight, now. Eight so on cool. Eight points. Okay, eight points on the line. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look again, like they they, they just beat the, the Saints by 19, and the Saints are better than the Texans. Um, Texans are their Tyrod Taylor. I don't have any faith in that offense. I like, I, I think the Panthers are going to get rolling here. They're going to continue to roll. And, uh, and Sam Darnold's going to have a very nice time with this Texans defense. So give me Carolina laying the points. Yeah, I don't know how I don't go that route too. It is a non-conference road game, so you don't always like that. 
But yeah, I just without Tyrod Taylor in this game, I don't see things going well. Davis Mills has showed he likes throwing to Brandon Cooks. Nico Collins out for the Texans as well. So Brandon Cooks might get Darren Waller like uh receptions and at least balls thrown his way. But yeah, I gotta go Carolina too here. I just I really don't trust this Texans team, especially without Tyrod Taylor. Davis Mills, I don't trust at all. And this is just starting to scare me because you look at the Panthers' schedule. They got the Texans this week, then the Cowboys, then the Eagles, then the Vikings, then the Giants, then the Falcons. They could go on a pretty crazy roll to start this year here and just go off, and it could be really a decent year for the Panthers now. They've started off well. Some of the things on their team that we were concerned about are looking better, and it's crazy to say, but Carolina might be a good team. We might have to eat some humble pie, I think. Eat some crow, um, but we will see. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving them all the credit yet. Uh, but again, te- the, the Texans are not are not good. And again, this, you're right. This could be a letdown spot though for the Panthers for sure. Um, and we could get screwed here, and they win by three, five, six, something like that. Seven, even even if they win just by a touchdown. Um, Again, I could absolutely see that happening. But, I mean, the smart money has to be on them covering. Yeah, to me here, I just love this as a teaser. Eight points. You look at the Sunday games, and there's a couple other ones where you're like eight and a half points. You tease it down to two and a half. There's a lot of good games to tease this with if you want to move it into Sunday. But this eight points is still a scary line. But as we've said, we're picking every game against the spread, so... I got to hope Carolina can cover eight. Then you're going to see a lot of scary lines this week. That is no doubt. It could be a rough one, but as I'd said, my lock of the week is going to be, I will have a better record than last week and it can't get much worse. Cam, anything else before we end this recap podcast and look forward to, uh, to uh, doing our, uh, our picks for Thursday. No. Let's go Jays. Hopefully they can sneak into the playoffs. I know they're, we're watching them closely as things go along here. So let's hopefully with all this baseball or all this football going on that the Jays can make the playoffs and we can have an at least exciting sports in Canada as well. And uh, by the way, uh, NHL preseason coming up as well. Super exciting. That's uh, going to kick off. It's almost October, which means NBA is going to start. NHL is going to start. We're going to have a lot more for you. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at over six sports at Zach Burke over six and at C Charlton turf. And for the over six sports podcast, I am Zach the bandit Burke. And with me as always, just Cameron Charlton, the turf King, by the way, I will at some point, time this year i will make a bet with you and you have to say the turf king on the podcast if you lose you will commit to this thank you for listening to the over six sports podcast and we'll chat with you later this week